Welcome to the Radiate Church Podcast. We are so excited that you've tuned in to check out what God is doing here in Radiate Church, located in Elgin, South Carolina. Take a moment and click that subscribe button. That way, every Monday morning, you'll receive new content right on your device. Life-changing messages, discussions, and conversations that will not only help you grow closer to Jesus, but will help equip and empower you to live the life God intends. In this episode, we begin a brand new series called Killing Roots, where we look past the symptoms and get right to the root of what may be causing you pain. Come on. How many of you are excited about what God's about to do in the house this morning? Amen. Let me pray for you real quick. Father, we honor you. We give you everything today. Open us up. Pour in. Take us where you want us to go today, God. Teach us what you want us to know today, God. We are yours. We're your kids. You're our Father, and we just love you. We give you everything in your name. Amen. Man, how many of you guys have enjoyed this series? Come on now. Make some noise if God's done something. I had some people between services asking me if I would was thinking about extending the series. And I was like, well, you know, we'll see what God does. It's a possibility. But it's been an amazing series. We've seen God really uproot a lot of things uh, through this series. If you've missed any of it, you can go to our podcast or our website and watch any of it. But today, we're going to jump right in. Today, I want you to title the message this, Killing the Root of Bitterness. Killing the Root of Bitterness, right? I want to I start... Uh, kind of different today. I want to start with a story, right? So uh, a long time ago, several years ago, uh, actually it was before a long time ago, we'll just put it that way, uh, there was a man that, that was doing some yard work at his house, and, uh, and so as he was doing his yard work, this, this stray dog comes up, and he's trying to get the dog out of his yard, shooing the dog away, you know, like, don't, don't do that, get out of here, and as he does, the dog turns on him and bites him while he's uh, shooing the dog away, and he shoes the dog, and and after the dog's gone, the dog bit him, all this stuff, right? He does what anybody would do. He goes, and he goes to the doctor, and he's getting everything checked out. And, you know, with, the, with an animal bite, they have to run tests and make sure everything's good. And so they do all that. And the gentleman's waiting in the, in, the, in the doctor's office. And when he comes in, the doctor comes in, he's just got this look on his face. He says, sir, he said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but the dog that bit you was rabid. He had rabies. And uh, we don't have a, a, a treatment for it yet. And so the best thing you can do is go get your affairs in order, make sure you got a will, all that kind of stuff, because at some point it's, it's going to take you, right? And so you guys are like really gloom, gloomy over this. <laughs> it's okay. And so he goes and he, you know, the doctor's like, just go do all that stuff. You know, we got a, a checkup scheduled in a couple of weeks and all this stuff. So he goes, the man goes, leaves the house, or leaves the doctor's office, goes to his house, takes care of things, you know, he's doing his thing. He comes back in a couple weeks for his checkup, and, and the doctor notices that he's got a piece of paper. And, and he notices he's got a lot, of, a lot of handwriting on it and things. And the doctor said, hey, you know, um, I mean, you're doing as well as can, can be. I'm, I'm sorry for the outcome, whatever. And the guy looks at him, and the doctor looks at him and says, I'm glad it seems that you took my advice. You went home, and you got your affairs in order, did what you needed to do there, and, and things like that. And the guy just kind of looked at him a little confused and pulled the paper out. And he said, Doc, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I appreciate everything you do. But I, I, this isn't a will. This isn't what I did. I, I didn't go home and, and do all that stuff. What I have here is a list of names that I'm going to go bite before the day comes. <laughs> Took a turn on you. <laughs> and he, he goes, but you know what? Can I be honest? That's what bitterness does. A lot of us live our lives to where the, the, the God, our Father, is like, hey, I, you know what? Just go take care of your life. Take care of you. Do your thing. But 
Really what we're doing is carrying the names of people we want to bite on our way out. People we want to hurt on our way out. People we want, to, we want to infect with the same bitterness we have and the same anger we have, the same hatred for life that we have. They need to have it. No, that's, that's a selfish mindset. And, and, and as you, if you're looking through the world, you know, we all talk about this. There's so much hatred. People are so angry today, right? And we, need, we need a new government, and we need this, and we need that. No, 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 no. Here's what we need. We need to understand that anger and hatred doesn't just pop up out of systematic control. Anger and hatred comes from the root of bitterness. All that comes from something that we're bitter about that we never would allow to get taken care of in the first place. And so we're carrying around these weights. We're carrying around this stuff that we were never meant to carry around. Anger is bitterness, and bitterness is just unforgiveness. And it comes from things, the, the only way to kill the root, I'm here to tell you, the only way to kill the root of bitterness in our lives, the, the root of hatred, the root of anger in our lives is this. We have to learn to use the F word. We have to learn to forgive. I wish y'all could have seen some of your faces just now. I did it on purpose. Welcome to Radiate Church. It's so fun. We have to learn how to forgive. We seriously do. We have to learn that unforgiveness creates this bitterness that now creates this opportunity to where we think that everybody we come into contact with should get our poison that we're poisoning ourselves with. I heard, uh, I've read this quote for years and Joanna Weaver said it this way. She said this, she said, bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. How ridiculous would that be? Hey, I'm going to drink this poison so that you'll die. Nobody would do that because it doesn't make sense. Yet, every day in our lives, we hold on to the poison of bitterness of what somebody did to us years ago, and we won't let it go because, after all, we got to get even. No, you're not going to get even. They're just destroying you. They're it, not even they. It is dictating your life. It's dictating how you treat others. It's dictating how you treat God. It's dictating how you treat yourself. Um, bitterness is birthed, hear me, from the inability to forgive or release anything. That's where bitterness is from. Why, is, why are people walking around with an attitude all the time? Why are people walking around getting offended if I look at them the wrong way? Because somewhere there's a root of bitterness that they're holding on to because some way, somehow, somebody treated them a way they never should have been treated, that they didn't appreciate, and now they can't let go of that. And so they're so sensitive that when you say something to them that may be constructive, they're taking it as destructive, and now we live in a constant state of offense because I'm always offended, because I'm always bitter, because I won't forgive. And I'm constantly drinking the poison of bitterness, expecting you to die from it. But the truth is, when I do that, I'm really locking myself in a jail cell and not giving myself freedom to live life. And I'm holding myself back. This is crazy to me. Psychologists, I did a lot of research on this and what the scientific effects of unforgiveness and bitterness are. Because I believe spiritual things have physical results. I believe spiritual uh, roots, I'm really good at talking today, spiritual roots produce physical fruits. Psychologists say this, that bitterness causes high blood pressure, cardiac disease and disorders, ulcers, and get this, insanity. Bitterness. So literally what psychologists, not even spiritual theological people are telling us, is something that you can't quantify and hold in your hand that somebody did to you that you won't let go of can literally kill you wow. and drive you crazy. Yeah. 
Think about that. The fastest way to uproot bitterness and anger is this. I mean, forgiveness. One psychiatrist that treats people in, 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 in insane asylums says this. One psychiatrist put it this way. 90%, 90% of all people in insane asylums would be released immediately if they'd learn how to forgive or be forgiven. It's not a preacher. It's not a theologian. That's a psychiatrist that messes with the mind. Why? Because bitterness overtakes everything that we think about Everything that we do, you know what I'm talking about, right? Somebody says something to you or about you, and you catch wind of it. It's like, how dare they talk about me like that? I can talk about my mama like that, but they can't. You know what I'm saying? And we get mad about it, and we go and we talk to five people about it that have nothing to do with the problem, because gossip is the way to fix everything. <laughs> Sarcasm. So we go talk to five people about it, get it out of our system. We think we're going to be fine the more people we talk about it to. But the reality is we're just stirring it up. And so now we hold on to this hatred. And six months later, that person walks in front of us. We can't even look them in the face without wanting to cuss them. Let's don't act super spiritual here. Let's just call it what it is. Bitterness changes the way we react to everything. And most of us, hear me, not only need to forgive others, we need to forgive ourselves. I talk to so many people that have given their lives to Jesus and they're trying to live their life for Jesus and they're giving their life to Jesus. They're giving everything to Jesus. They're trying their hardest. They're, they, you know what I'm saying? Like they're just, they're just plugging along. They're doing everything they know to do. But they're still living their life based on the mistakes they made six months ago, six years ago, 60 years ago. And, and, and they're still holding themselves captives. And I want to look at them and go, why are you holding yourself captive from something that Jesus and I didn't even remember? The Bible tells me that he cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. But I'm sitting here holding on to him going, oh, I'll never be able to do that because I made this mistake. And Jesus is going, what mistake? I forgot about that. I erased it. I threw it into the sea. It ain't even around anymore. I don't have anything to do with it anymore. Stop. You're redeemed. You're restored. You're loved. You're forgiven. And Jesus is going, stop it. And I just want to give you freedom today. Yeah, you've messed it up. Yeah, you've said and done and acted and been and all these things that were wrong and not right. And that's not an excuse to keep doing it. But here's what it is. It's an excuse for me to stand up today and go, no, I will not be held captive by what I've done. I will forgive myself just as Jesus forgave me on the cross that day. Because here's the thing. like, Some of us, our greatest enemy is ourselves. I'll never be able to live up to the purpose and the promise that God has in my life. Why? Because you keep prophesying that over your life? Ezekiel 37, Valley of Dry Bones. He's standing there. And, the, and God tells Ezekiel, I don't even know why I'm going here. God tells Ezekiel, God tells Ezekiel, prophesy what I said over the dry bones. And as soon as he says the words, they start to come to life again. Here's the truth. Some of us are living the life we've prophesied for years. I'll never be able to make it. I'll never be good enough. I'll never this. I'll never that. That's because you keep telling yourself, if you'll change your words, you'll change your life. Prophesy something better. Well, I'm just a good old nobody from Elgin, South Carolina. No, you're not. You are redeemed, restored, blessed, anointed child of the good king of God. You can stand in the kingdom and you're an heir to the throne. You're not just a no good nobody from nowhere. You live the life you prophesy. It's getting good today. 
Let me give you this thought. It's going to come on the screen. Forgiveness is giving to others what Jesus has given to us. Isn't it an amazing and humbling thought that thousands of years ago, a man thought enough of us to hang on a cross, and he said this, I forgive you. I love you. I love you so much that I'll forgive everything that you'll do so that we can have restored relationship with Father God in heaven if you'll accept the opportunity. And he said this, he said, I love you enough to forgive you. And now we get to physically go in this life and show people what that literally means to them. And go, I forgive you. And here's the thing, forgiveness doesn't take on different levels based on what's happened. There was one cross that covered all of humanity. There was one stream of blood running down the cross that covered all of humanity. It didn't need more for one race than it did the other. There's no more blood needed for your socioeconomic status than the other socioeconomic status. There's no more blood needed for the addict than the depressed. The bottom line is, is we are all redeemed. We are all forgiven. We are all restored by the blood of Jesus. And now we get the opportunity to live this life and go by this line right here that my God created, that my Savior ran down on the cross, I get to look at you and go, I don't care what you've done to me, I'll still forgive you. It's not because you've done me wrong that you need to prove me more. That's what we say a lot of times. Oh, they just got to prove to me that they mean it. Why? What if we never prove that to Jesus? Is he going to look at us and go, you didn't prove it? No, he's going to ask us this question. Did you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and start living your life for me? Because those are the things that matter. But we just want to go, hey, here's the bottom line. If you do this and you wash my car three times a week and you buy me whatever, then I'll forgive you. And we can't do that. That's not true forgiveness. That's a business transaction. God's not in the business of business transactions. Forgiveness is given to others, even ourselves sometimes. Even ourselves sometimes. What Jesus has given us. And I don't know about you, but I take that very personally, that I, my actions, my love, my heart, my forgiveness, my purity, who I am in life is a literal transaction or, or representation of who Jesus is. And I get to give somebody that. Let's look at the power of forgiveness today in, in, in a story of Luke chapter uh, 11. I'm going to read uh, verses 21, 20 and 21 to give you the context, but we're going to pick up in verses 22 through 26. It says this, it says, as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. So they were passing by this fig tree uh, prior on the day, and, and Jesus curses this fig tree for not producing uh, as it should have been. And so he curses the tree, he says something to it, and it says, as they were passing by the next morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded of what took place, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the tree which you cursed is withered. In other words, he goes, Jesus, this is crazy. You spoke a curse and now it's dead. I want to look at him and go, it's Jesus. Right? And here's what Jesus, it says in verse 22, and Jesus answered saying to them, have faith in God. In other words, just, just have faith. Like when I say something, I mean it, right? Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. 
Therefore, I say to you all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. Those two verses, we love those verses. When we come up against a hard time, the Bible tells me that when I speak to a mountain, it must move from here to there. And if I have no doubt that the things that I pray for will be granted to me. And so I look at my bill that comes every other week, but I didn't budget for. It must move. Come on. That person that I ticked off on social media is mad at me. It must move. Come on. Right? We love that because when we're in a hard situation, we're like, Lord, I speak to this mountain. See, the problem is most of us don't speak to the mountain. We speak about the mountain. Speaking about the mountain makes it grow. Speaking to it makes it move. Anyway, we'll get there later. And so we love those. Those things just feel good. They're like, yeah. Praise God. And then he says, anything so that you're, and he says, anything that you pray and ask, if you believe you've received it, it'll be granted. Oh, praise God. That 2019 Ford Raptor is going to be sitting in my driveway when I get home. Praise God. Hallelujah. hallelujah. I will sing a hallelujah at that point. <laughs> Louder than I did before. You know, and, and, and we love that because that makes us feel good. But we don't want to pay attention to the next two verses. The next two verses say, whenever you're standing praying, like the very thing that I just told you you could pray about and speak to and receive and all that stuff, when you're doing that, forgive. Because if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you. Oh, man. Verse 26. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgression. Hold, hold, hold on. This just took a turn. You just told me I could speak to a mountain and it would move. You just told me that if I believe that I can receive it, then I'll get it. You just told me that all this stuff would take place. And God's going, yeah, 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 I did. But it's only for the pure of heart. And bitterness corrupts that. Here, I want to tell you this today. Here's the truth. Bitterness blocks God's move in our lives. Because we can go, oh man, you know what? There's a root of God that's growing in my life. I'm growing spiritually. I'm doing so good. I want to worship. I want to pray. All these things. And then you hit this moment where you're like, God, why aren't you answering my prayers? And God goes, I would if you'd learn to forgive. I can't move in your life because you closed the door of grace. You've closed the door of forgiveness. You've blocked what I can do or you've blocked what I will do simply because you won't extend what I've already given you. You've become a dead sea. The dead sea has rivers coming in, but nothing going out. You want me to give you all the blessings, but you won't open your hand and turn anything out. And so everything becomes dead and numb and just bad in, your, in, in life because you're sitting here going, I'd rather hold on to a transgression. I'd rather look at you and go, I deserve forgiveness from God, but you don't deserve forgiveness from me. God says literally right here, Jesus in his own words says the power in which to move the mountain is determined by the power that you forgive. The level of power I see God move in my life is determined by the level of which I forgive people. We love quoting the other two. Man, I can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it's going to move. I got the power of God in your life. Yeah, but have you released it? The key of forgiveness unlocks the power of God. And so where we are in this thing is, is a lot of times we think that, 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 that stagnant faith, well, if I come to church enough and I quote enough scripture and I serve enough and I do this and all that stuff is good and all that stuff is stuff we need to do. It is not stagnant faith that does anything. It is active faith that does everything. Because potential, hear me, moves 
nothing. Every one of your vehicles sitting in that parking lot right now has the potential to go to your house. But it does nothing until you crank it up, put it in gear, and press the gas pedal. Every one of us sitting in here has the potential to move mountains. The problem is, is most of us haven't put the key of forgiveness in, cranked it up, and pushed the gas so that we love people on the way to the new mountain, to the new place, to the new blessing, to the new whatever. Just place it in there. The Holy Spirit, hear me, it's not that He doesn't or won't or can't, it's that He won't work in unforgiveness. Holy Spirit can't work, won't work in unforgiveness, doesn't do it. Here's why. Because I've got to have a root growing. The question is, what root am I allowing to grow? Well, Pastor, you don't know what they said to me. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how hard it is for me to let go of that. Can I tell you something? I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. None of that matters because it doesn't matter the level of transgression as opposed to the level of forgiveness. It's one level of forgiveness for every transgression. So it doesn't matter what they did to you. Our job is not to gauge them and judge them based on their level of transgression. Our job is to offer them forgiveness anyway. Offer them forgiveness anyway. Let, let's look at Hebrews. Are y'all still with me today? It's good. It's helping anybody? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15 says this. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Let's stop right there for a minute. Let me go into a theological discussion with you. There's a word there called sanctification. It's a churchy term. It's a Bible term. Here's what it means. It's the process of becoming holy with God. It's, become, it's the process of becoming right with God. That's what it is. That means here, the pro, sanctification is the process of getting the junk out of your life so that you can get right with God. That's sanctification. My brother used to coach wrestling, and this was his favorite phrase to me because he used to practice his, his moves on me, and, and it hurt. And he'd be like, Brandon, pain is just weakness. Leaving the body. And he'd be like, that's because you're not going through the pain. Here's what sanctification is. It's just unholiness leaving the Spirit. Just to put it in plain terms. And he says, you won't even see the Lord until you begin to go through the process of sanctification. Doesn't mean you'll be perfect. It means on the day of reckoning, whenever I do stand before Him, the process of sanctification will be revealed and completed within me, and I can stand holy and blameless before Him. But in this earth, on this life, I have a process to go through. Most of us want to pray a prayer, but never go through the process. Hey, I just don't want to go to hell, God. Like, just keep me from going to hell, but don't you dare try to take this addiction from me. Don't you dare try to take this from me. I've held on to this bitterness for 30 years of my life. Don't you dare try to take that from me. Don't you dare uproot the things that I love. Some of us will worship our transgression more than we will our God. Because as long as we have a transgression, we have something to talk about. Come on. And God's going, no, I need to uproot that junk. Because bitterness has taken control, and now you're biting everybody that comes in your way. He says that you won't even see the Lord without sanctification, but pursue peace with all men and the sanctification of God without, with which no one will see the Lord. And then he says this in verse 15. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it be defiled. Bitterness, hear me, bitterness blocks our growth with God. And it blocks the growth of others with God. Let me prove it to you. You ever heard somebody tell you you're inviting them to church, or you're talking about church? You know, man, my church is amazing. God's doing incredible things there. My pastor's the best. My worship team is the best. 
my life group is the best. Like you're bragging, right? And you hear somebody say this, man, I don't know if I'll ever go back to church again. I love God and I'm all about Jesus, but his kids drive me nuts. The church did me wrong. I hear that about once a week. Not necessarily just about this church, but about others. And hey, I've been there. Can I just tell you, if you're sitting in here today and that's your thought process and that's where you've been in your life, I was there before I started Radiate Church. I've been there since I started Radiate Church and I'll be there again after I've started Radiate Church. Bottom line is the hurt doesn't stop, but my faith is not built on people. My faith is built on a Savior that hung on a cross and then stood up and held the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And so I can get through hurt a whole lot better. But here's the thing. He says this. You've heard people say, I just don't know. Here's, the, here's what they're saying. Somebody else's bitterness in their life bit me so hard, I don't even want to go back to where it happened. I don't even want to go back there because it brings up tra traumatizing memories. And here's the thing. Whenever we base our faith on how people treat us, we will always be disappointed because people will let us down. I'm going to, hey, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I'm going to free you with something. Uh, I'm going to disappoint you one day. But you're the pastor of this church. You can't do that. No, I'm just telling you I'm going to. Like there's going to come a day and you're going to go home and you're going to be like, I'm really mad at him. Just join the club. There's plenty of that. There's going to be times where you're like, I just don't know if I like that decision. Hey, it's okay. It's all right. I'm going to go home and think that about myself sometimes. You know why? Because we're human. The problem is, is we want everybody that calls on the name of Jesus to be on such a pedestal that when they fall, we just want to beat them up. <laughs> because our bitterness is out to bite other people. Our bitterness is out to cause other people. The enemy wants our bitterness to hurt the growth of others. And so forgiveness is going to come on the screen. Forgiveness, I want you to get this. Forgiveness is not giving someone a pass to hurt you. It's releasing yourself from a prison of bitterness. Forgiveness is not giving someone a pass to hurt you. I've heard that so many times. I don't know if I can forgive them because I don't want them to think that they can do that to me again. Well, then don't let them do it to you again. And if they do, I want to tell you something that I'm teaching my kids right now. And that you've taught your kids, but sometimes as adults we need to re be reminded. You cannot control anything anybody else does. If you could, life would be so much easier, wouldn't it? Because we'd go sit down and we'd go to try to get that 2019 Ford Raptor. And I want their response to be yes. And so I can manipulate the situation because I know that I can get, you can't, you can't be held responsible for what other people do, but you can be held responsible for what you do. Coaches say it like this, you are not held responsible for what happens to you. Your character is not what happens to you, your character is how you respond to it. How are you responding? What is your character saying? I don't want you to think that if you go to somebody and you're like, hey, I forgive you for that. I don't want you to think that when you go to yourself and go, hey, I forgive you for that. That it's like God going, are you going, hey, just, just run all over me. Take advantage of me. No, it's not. It's us going, I got the key to forgiveness. I got the key to freedom. I got the key to joy. I won't be held back by this bitterness anymore. And here's the thing. When you go ask for forgiveness, don't expect a response. Because some people don't want to forgive. Because like I said, it gives them something to hold on to and talk about. I've been on the side where I've looked at somebody and asked them for forgiveness for something I did wrong. And I've told them that I've released something they did wrong. They said, maybe one day I'll get there. That ain't my responsibility. That doesn't make them bad. They're not bad people. In fact, I love them and they're not bad. It just means they got some roots they got to dig up. But I refuse to allow the roots to define me. Anybody in the room today? 
Forgiveness isn't giving someone a pass to hurt you. It's releasing yourself from a prison of bitterness. Proverbs, Proverbs, chapter, uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says that we are to guard our hearts because from it comes the wellspring of life. Here's what that means. Here's, what, here's the importance of forgiveness. When you're forgiving someone, you're actually protecting your heart because every, the Bible tells me that everything I do, say, act, everything I become and ever will become in my life comes from what's in my heart. And if I'm allowing bitterness and anger and frustration and hatred to build up in my heart, then everything will come out. Did you know that the, the root word of bitterness is bite? No daggum wonder we're biting everybody's head off every single time they look at us the wrong way. Because most of us are carrying something we won't let go of. I can't believe they said that to me. They called me fat 15 years ago. Hey, that's a real thing people are carrying. I can't believe they told me I'd never be successful. I can't believe she dumped me. Some of you are living in a marriage right now and you're carrying the hurt of a girlfriend that dumped you 25 years ago. Let it go. Who cares? You're walking with somebody that loves you. Well, he did this to me. All right, let it go. Release it. Forgive him. Walk in freedom. You can't even enjoy your spouse because of what somebody did to you 30 years ago. I'm talking to a marriage today. It's time for you to start walking in freedom in your marriage because you need to let something go of what somebody did to you. Yes, it was wrong, and yes, it was painful, and no, it wasn't warranted, but it's my responsibility to go, I forgive you, I'm letting it go, and I will walk forward in my life in redemption and restoration and joy and forgiveness. <laughs> Addiction usually comes trying to cover up the pain of a bitter, of a bitter root. We got we to learn to let this stuff go. Hurt. I, I got this, I got this um, phrase that I used to say, that I say in leadership a lot. It's this, hurt people hurt people. Because I'm not going to be hurt by myself. And so you deserve to be hurt. And moreover, you did it to me. So I'm going to make your life a living you know what. And here's the thing. Like, can we go back to how to handle this stuff? How do we forgive, right? How does, this, how does this take place? How do we get to this place in our lives? Well, the first thing Luke chapter 6 tells us, you don't have to turn there, you can just write it down, but Luke chapter 6, 27 and 28 tells us that we are to pray for our enemies. Pray for them. Pastor, I don't know if I can pray for my enemies. Man, you know what? It's pretty, it's pretty amazing that in my life, I've probably acted like an enemy to Jesus. My Bible tells me he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding or praying for me. Even in my deepest, darkest, most rebellious times, he's still speaking my name to the Father. The Bible tells me, hey, if you want to get through this, if you want to offer true forgiveness, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray multiplication over their life. Pray multiplication over their finances. Pray multiplication over their family. Pray clarity in their, pray a promotion in their job. Pastor, I, I, I ain't doing that. Then there's bitterness that you won't let go of. And then, so we're to pray for them. And then Romans 12 and 4, uh, 14 says this. It's really short. It says this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Wow. So we pray for them and then we bless them. It, one of the Greek uh, meanings of the word bless is to speak well of. So I can't forgive somebody and gossip about them. Can't do it. It's impossible. That's why the Bible tells us too that from your mouth flows both blessing and curses. 
In other words, you're trying to tell me to my face that you're praying for me and you love me, but then you go to everybody that I'm connected to and you try to tear my life down. It's not forgiveness. The Bible tells me clearly, bless those who persecute you. Let me, let me tell you something. This is where Matthew chapter 18 comes into play. When he says, if you've got a, bro- if you've got a problem, go to your brother. In other words, go to the person that you got a problem with. But most of us are like, nah, that's too difficult and awkward. I'd rather go to 2,500 people on Facebook that I don't know. Because after all, it's easier for me to tell their business than for me to talk about mine. Because if I tear them down, I'll build me up. No, you're not. You're tearing both of you down. Your credibility goes out the window. Your influence goes out the window. Your relationships goes out the window. Future leadership possibilities go out the window. Why? Because you won't close your mouth in public, but you won't have a talk in private either. Can we just talk about this? Anybody in the room? It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and what? Do not curse. Well, I ain't said a cuss word in 15 years. Maybe you should rather than what you're saying over them to begin with. Let's call it what it is. Because here's the thing. The Bible tells me that I got the power of life and death in my tongue. So I'll look at you and go, man, I just hope that everything falls apart for you and you'll never become anything. You hurt me so bad, I want to see you hurt. You know what you're doing? You're speaking into existence attacks of spiritual nature on their life. And it ain't their money, their kids, or their family that's at stake. It's their soul. You might as well look at them and go, just go to hell. We're calling this one today. (laughs) Bible says you pray for your enemies, thus you're forgiving them. You bless and you don't curse, thus you're forgiving them. And then in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 gives us this thought. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. He's talking to believers when he writes this. He's talking to a church. He's looking at a church and he's going, you are so bitter about what the government and everybody else is doing to you that, dude, you've started having wrath. You're angry. You're clamoring together to try to figure things out instead of letting God direct you. You're slandering their name. You're talking in malice. You're a believer in the kingdom of God and all you have to say is negativity? Get rid of that stuff. Let it all be gone. That's the only way you'll ever walk this thing out. Remember, sanctification is the process of being holy before God. And Paul is going, hey, Ephesus, hey, radiate. Let it all be gone. Because there's a power that's greater. And it's called the love of Jesus. Can I tell you something? You were never meant to carry the weight of unforgiveness. In fact, that's the very reason that the cross is a beam going up and a beam going across. Because forgiveness goes vertical and forgiveness is horizontal. And I can take the baggage that I have from the wrongdoing of others and hang it on that horizontal beam and be like, here, Jesus, you carry it. Jesus goes, gladly, because I forgave you, you forgave them. We're going to walk in harmony and you're going to watch the Holy Spirit do amazing things in there. But it's easier to hold on. It's easier to go, nah, this is now a part of me. It's determined my personality. No, it doesn't. You've allowed it to. 
It's not even supposed to be a part of your life. Jesus offered the ultimate forgiveness. Think about it this way. He's hanging on the cross. Crown of thorns pushed down his face. Beard ripped out. He's mopped. They're throwing things at him. Stripped down naked before friends and family and everybody else. They're piercing his side with a spear. They're giving him vinegar water to quench a thirst. He's literally suffocating because he can't breathe because that's the suffering of the Roman cross. And he utters these words in the midst of all of it. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. They pierce him with a, a spear right through his ribcage and water begins to flow. Father, forgive them for they don't even know that there's piercing the Son of Man. Father, forgive them for mocking the royalty of your son Jesus by putting the thorn, crown of thorns. Father, forgive them for thinking that they can earn it on their own. Father, forgive them for yelling the insults they're, forg- they're yelling. In the moment of transgression, Jesus utters, Father, forgive them. You're not too far gone. You may have pierced his side this morning. Father, forgive them. You may have drove the nails last night. Father, forgive them. Because he loves us where we are, but entirely too much to leave us there. While he was on the cross, he said, I will not hold bitterness in my heart but I will die this death forgiving them and then in three days I'm going to rise up from the grave and I'm going to hold the keys to death, hell, and the grave and I will offer them the freedom that they don't think they deserve but I look past their transgressions I look past their pain I look past their wrongdoing and I see into who they can be offer it to them so what what is our next step? What does it look like for us? For some of us, we need to go, you know what, Jesus? I accepted the cross because I didn't want to go to hell. But I need to accept the forgiveness because you love me. Because I love you. We had four people say that this past uh, right here this past service. Jesus, I, I just want the forgiveness to be in the family of God. Some of us need that. Some of us need to go join a life group because you need somebody to talk to about this stuff. And let me tell you, it ain't on Facebook, it ain't on Twitter, it ain't on Instagram. It's sitting in a living room with people that love you and will hold your heart with care and will look at you and point you to Scripture and not to other people. Some of us, we need to join a life group because we need some counseling from people that believe in Jesus. And then some of us, need to walk out there and look at somebody and go, I need to get baptized today. I need to make my faith public and let everybody know I've been forgiven and I'm not ashamed of it. I don't know what it is, but here's what I do know. That if we don't take care of forgiveness, bitterness will ruin us. So if you would just bow your heads with me today. Because I know that somebody in the room is getting dealt with. And some of us need to go home and sit across the table from somebody or make a phone call or even go look in the mirror and tell somebody, we, I forgive you. 
and I ask you to forgive me. You don't even know it, but I've held bitterness against you and I need to release it. I've been jealous, I've been mad, I've talked curses over you, and I'm sorry, and I will do whatever I need to do to make that right. But if you're in the room, first and foremost, and you'd say, Jesus, I want your forgiveness, not because I don't want to go to hell, but because I want to walk in love. And I know, I know, Jesus, I've done it wrong. I'm not claiming to be perfect today. I just want your forgiveness so I can walk into the family of God and begin the process of holiness through sanctification with you. I just want to walk with you. I want your forgiveness today. If that's you and you're in the room, will you raise your hand and join the four people in the first service by saying, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Come on, hold them up high. Don't put them down. We're going to put something in your hands so we can walk this out with you today because this is important. Now, we believe here at Radiate we're a family. And so here's what we want. We want to pray this together out loud because my Bible says that if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and he has forgiven me, then I can walk into new salvation and new life with him. And so I just want us all to pray this. Say, dear Jesus, I give you my life, past, present, and future. Forgive me for everything I've done. Help me become everything you want me to be. I'll commit to the process with you. Thank you for welcoming me into the family of God. Oh, man. Now, I just want to pray over everybody right now that as we live this out, that we would forgive and the action steps moving forward would be clear and obvious and we make it happen. Father, right now, I honor you and I worship you. We th I thank you for the three people that entered the kingdom of God in this service. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for believing in us and trusting us and loving us. And God, I just pray that we'd go home and forgiveness would take over. We'd walk in the freedom of forgiveness and not in, this, in, in, in the bondage of bitterness. And God, I just, we love you. And right now, I pray that boldness would come out of us, that we would go home and make the calls we need to make, have the conversations we need to have, and live this life with you. God, we honor you and praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.